Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, who I don't know. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Oh, Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen. Fuck. This is why we're friends. Okay. <laughs> okay. But is he like a really good main character? Is he a main character? Is he just like some little... Oh my God. No, yeah. He's like the hero. He, he's <laughs> yes. like... Yeah, no. And he's like so hot. So yeah, you're good. And we're live. Hello and welcome to all our listeners and followers out there. Welcome yet again to another episode of Sex and the Six. As always, I'm with my beloved, gorgeous best friend and co-host, Lee. Hey. And I am your host, Vitan. So Lee, what are we going to be talking about today? I know that we have something really exciting planned for our audience. So I am very excited about today's topic. We are discussing two things all around, but the first thing is it's a book by Gary Chapman. It's called The Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. In this book, he discusses the five love languages. And we are also discussing uh, 16 Personalities, which is sort of, which is a website based around uh, Myers-Briggs. And you can go on and take a test and find out what your personality type is like. I want us to start with the Myers-Briggs personality test, because first of all, I will remember back to a time when we were at Panera Bread eating bread bowl soups or whatnot, and you introduced to me Myers-Briggs personality test, and I've never heard of it. I didn't know what it was about. And I'm sitting there in our little booth in the restaurant and you're like, well, take this test. Just take it. I sent you the link. Just take the test. I want to know who you are. Okay. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, whatever. And so I spent 30 minutes or whatnot, like 20 to 30 minutes doing this test. It really told me a lot about who I am. And I want to tell you guys what Myers-Briggs is. So first of all, these two Americans, a mother, Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers created this concept that was based off of the conceptual theory suggested by Carl Jung. So Carl Jung was a Swiss psychiatrist. He suggested that people experience the world using four principal psychological functions, which he named them as sensation, intuition, feeling, and thinking. And he said that one of these four functions is dominant for a person most of the time. Now the mother, Briggs and her daughter, Myers, they expanded that theory into four categories, which are introversion slash extroversion, sensing slash intuition, thinking slash feeling, and judging slash perceiving. And again, they suggested that each person has a dominant quality for each of those categories, and it really determines who you are and what your personality type is. And then they have a name based off of that personality type. So Lee, I want to know, how did you get into it years back? I think I have to give kudos to my mom here. Many, many years ago, she was, I believe she had a book and the book had a Myers-Briggs test in it. I don't think it was like a book by them. But uh, I think she said she had done it with her company. And so she came home and she wanted us all to do it. And she said she didn't, I don't think she had uh, mine or my brother's answers written down anywhere. And, And I think it was around the time in high school when we were trying to 
figure out what we wanted to do with our lives, what sort of career path we should go after. And taking these kind of tests are sometimes helpful to, you know, figure out maybe a job or a career that would be best suited towards your personality. So she tried to like go through the files to find that for us. We couldn't really find it. And I looked online and I found that 16 personalities was this very popular website and you could take the quiz there. She has taken it again. And I think she says that they're not quite the same, the tests. But regardless, I've taken it. I, I've taken the test, oh gosh, probably like three to five times now. I always get the same answer. Every every so often it comes back into my mind and I just want to know. I'm one of those people that <laughs> likes to categorize myself into a box. Like I'm a Gryffindor, I'm a Pisces, I'm a this, I'm a that. So I always receive ENFJ. And more recently, I think they added on the the fifth category, which is assertive or turbulent. And so, so I what think does your personality the, type mean, first of all? Like, what do those letters mean? Okay, so I'm an ENFJ-A. So E means I'm extroverted. I mean, you could probably tell. <laughs> N means I rely on intuition rather than sensing. F means I'm a feeler, not so much a thinker. I do think, <laughs> but I do rely on my heart a lot. And a J is judgment over uh, perception, perceiving. And then A is assertive rather than turbulent. And they have sort of, like Vitan said, given all of these characters, like all of these types, I guess, all these four to five letter types, categories, a, an archetype. So my character or archetype is the protagonist. And this is a little blurb that they have. Protagonists are natural born leaders full of passion and charisma forming around 2% of the population. They are oftentimes our politicians, our coaches, and our teachers, reaching out and inspiring others to achieve and to do good in the world. With a natural confidence that begets influence, protagonists take a great deal of pride and joy in guiding others to work together to improve themselves and their community. And how fortunate I am <laughs> for that to be my, my, my characteristics as a podcast host. And what about you? What was yours? Okay, well, mine is... INFJA. So I, meaning I'm introverted and I rely on intuition. I'm feeling and judging. And the A, I'm assertive just like you. And so my character slash archetype is advocate. What I researched and learned recently about the INFJA sort of personality type, it is the rarest personality type in the world. Only 1.5% of the world's population can be categorized as INFJ. So my little blurb is that advocates are the rarest personality types of all. Still advocates leave their mark on the world. They have a deep sense of idealism and integrity, but they aren't idle dreamers. They take concrete steps to realize their goals and make a lasting impact. Advocates' unique combination of personality traits makes them complex and quite versatile. For example, they can speak with great passion and conviction, especially when standing up for their ideals. In other times, however, they may choose to be soft-spoken and understated, preferring to keep the peace rather than challenging others. The important part is for our audience to have some sort of perspective of what these personality types are. You know, it's very interesting that I was actually very hesitant, like before taking the test, because unlike you, I don't really like being categorized or being placed into a certain compartment or a certain box, so as to say. Also, I always think that something's wrong with me 
which is very interesting because that's exactly my personality type. Like what I've learned after taking that test, thanks to you, was that I started learning that's why I'm quietly intense and insecure because my personality type is a perfectionist, so as to say. I love languages because that's my personality type. I started learning so much about myself and started embracing my uniqueness rather than looking at my uniqueness as being some sort of hubris, some sort of shortcoming or flaw in who I am. I want to know about you when you first took that, like, took that personality test. Did that give you a better sense of who you are? Did that make you appreciate and embrace yourself more? I think like all the other ways that I like to categorize myself. And I think it's not, for me, it's not so much putting myself in a box. For me, it's putting myself in a community or in a family. Like with Hogwarts, for example, being a part of Gryffindor or Slytherin is something like that they take pride in. I think you can have the opposite where if you're thinking about something like the Divergent series, she didn't want to have to pick either one of them. So maybe you you kind of reside somewhere in that brain type where you're like, I don't want to have to choose. I, I want to be them all. I want to be divergent. But back to my main point is that when I did take the test and I saw the results, it's kind of like you're talking to someone who knows you so well because rating and, and if guys, if you take this test, it gives you like a detailed analysis of who you are and just reading it. I'm just nodding my head and nodding my head. And I'm like, this person gets me. <laughs> I mean, it's an internet webpage, but everything they were listed hit me to a T. So did I learn anything new about myself? Mm, maybe not. You know, I think there is a, a category. There's an entertainer category. And I think when I first took the quiz, I was a little sad that I didn't get that because I was like, oh, you know, I'm an actor. I want that to be who I am. And maybe that took me a while to realize, like, I don't really know. Like, yes, I am an artist. Yes, I am an actor. But the little character that they have as the protagonist is this boss dude with a sword. And, <laughs> you know, my boyfriend, I think he got the defender and the character little archetype is this sweet little nurse. And he's like, why do you have a, why am I a nurse? And you've got this badass sword. And I was just like, you know why? Because you're a nurse and everyone loves you. I need the sword because I got enemies. <laughs> I'm, you know, and it's like, it, it's like it says in my description, you're a leader, you know, and leaders are often not the quiet types, you know, they stand up for what they believe in. And by standing up for what you believe in, oftentimes you'll make enemies that way. But yeah, you know, and, and in the description, it said like leaders, teachers, and I was like, teacher, you know, I've never thought of myself as that. But look where I am now, I'm doing a master's degree in education. So sometimes I think, you know, these personality tests, maybe they're off. But then sometimes I think maybe they see things and they're suggesting things to you that you probably haven't thought about yet because you're like set in a specific way of who you think you're supposed to be. Does that make sense? Totally. I believe that this personality test encouraged me to be more introspective and encouraged more self-reflection in myself. I think it's important to be introspective. It's important to take stock of your emotions, your way of thinking, how you interact with the world, what you find to be your strength what you find to be your weakness, because the better sense that you have of who you are, the better you can improve on your relationships, the more you can actually understand. So these are my strengths. This is what I can work on. Oh, and these are my weaknesses. So this is what I can improve on. But if you just go into the world almost 
blind, not knowing what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, you may get yourself into a career pathway or into a friendship or into whatnot, thinking that that is your strength when it really is your weakness. And I'm not saying for people not to work on their weaknesses. In fact, the opposite. I'm, I'm just saying for you to be in an environment where you feel that you can thrive and mm. not where you're struggling to just survive. Do you understand? Yeah. And what I learned from my personality type is that, oh, my biggest weakness is being a perfectionist because I can actually burn out so easily based off of my personality type is I want to do something so well. And I want others to be not approving of what I'm doing, but I want what I'm doing to be so good that it provides value to someone else. And I can Mm -hmm. burn myself out in the process. It gave me a sense of relief because I stopped judging myself and stopped seeing myself as someone who has a problem rather than saying, oh, this is who I am. Okay. However, my biggest strengths are because of my perfectionism that I can be very insightful and I can be very persevering and creative in my work. Mm -hmm. And so I want to know from you, what is the importance and significance of having the Myers-Briggs personality type in this world, let's say in a workplace or in a relationship? What do you think? Well, even just based on you and I, seeing your results, it all made sense to me. I'm like, we are the exact same person, except I'm more extroverted than you. Exactly. And so, yeah, I'm just like, this is where is it, it works because maybe there's times, let's say we're having a conversation. If you were also an ENFJ, like my mom is, sometimes it's hard for us to get a word in with each other because we're both trying to like express our opinions because we're so extroverted. But with you, like you're very good at listening, taking things in. And I'm not saying I ever like monopolize a conversation, maybe when I'm drunk, but you know, <laughs> I it works that way because there's that, that ebb and the flow. And it, I think that's important too in a relationship. I mean, they often say that opposites attract and I agree with that to a certain degree. I don't think opposites attract if you are complete opposites because there needs to be some sort of common ground. There's got to be something you guys agree on some, you know, so complete opposites. And I think so, but I do think opposites do work out. I'm very extroverted. My boyfriend's quite introverted. I'm intuition. He's sensitive or he's sensing. We both had F and J, but it's just interesting to see how, there, there is that opposition going on. And it was also interesting because I got my family to do this, how most of us resided in the same area. I think, well, I obviously think your personality is individual to yourself, but I do think we take on a lot from our families and we do inherit a lot of personality traits from our families as well. 100%. I believe when you learn to work with your natural tendencies, you can develop a healthier relationship with yourself, with others in the world. You basically have this confidence that you require in order to grow more fully into the person that you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. I also believe that Myers-Briggs in a workplace or in a partnership of any kind, intimate or just friendship, it eliminates conflict. When you know the other person's personality type, you can better de-escalate the situation 
knowing how they will respond to conflict and confrontation. Mm -hmm. If you know that they are more sensitive, then you will gear your approach in order to cater that person's sensitivity. I also believe that knowing your personality type, knowing other people's personality type as well, improves your teamwork skills. It, It tells you how someone prefers to interact, how they prefer to work, how they prefer to talk, and who they collaborate with more efficiently and more effectively. I want to know, before we move on to the five love languages, which I was really interested by the way, never heard of them before, I want to know what are the most notable people who have your traits as ENFJ? Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is a cool feature, you guys. If you go to 16... Uh, the number 16, 16personalities.com. You can take the test. Uh, Vitan said it took him 20 to 30 minutes. It took me five. So that's another like personality trait right there. Because I'm a <laughs> even perfectionist. My, you are, but you. it's even funnier. My dad was like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm going to be here till midnight. And he got like, he got the logistician. Fucking, how do you say that word? Log- logistician? logistician there's the logician and then there's the logistician is that it logistician yeah good job yeah you said it (laughs) sorry that sounded so condescending good job so my yeah and my my dad got the logistician so he's one of these people that's like so fact-minded he's always he was always preaching rtfq read the fucking question so he was probably sitting there on his phone reading every question to a t to make sure he got it right but I stress to people taking this quiz, there's no wrong answer. You're not being graded. So anyways, yes. So once you get your results, you can, even without getting your results, you can go to the personality types and you can scroll all 16 of them. When you click on your personality type, okay, so here we are, protagonist. We're going to scroll down to the bottom and it says protagonists you may know. And this is kind of cool. I mean, I don't know how true this is. Maybe they've taken the quiz and released their results, but it's kind of fun to know. So these are the ones that they listed for protagonist, ENFJ. Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, John Cusack, Ben Affleck, Malala Yousafzai. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Sean Connery, Jennifer Lawrence, Maya Angelou, Daenerys Targaryen, Mother of Dragons, Morpheus from The Matrix, Elizabeth Bennett from Pride and Prejudice. That one's probably one of my favorites. The Oracle from The Matrix, Skylar White from Breaking Bad, Laurel Lance from The Arrow, Isabel Crawley from Downton Abbey, and Celie Booth from Bones. So yeah. That's cool. And what about yours? I think these are so fun. Mine are very unexpected, at least for me. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Lady Gaga, Nicole Kidman, Morgan Freeman, Goethe. If you remember him from theater history, Goethe. Oh, I love Wait, that. no, it's not, it's not, it's not Goethe. It's Goethe. Goethe. Okay. Yeah. There we are. Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, who I don't know. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Oh, Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen. Fuck. This is why we're friends. Okay. <laughs> okay. But is he like a really good main character? Is he a main character? Is he just like some little... Oh my God. No. Yeah. He's like the hero. He, he's <laughs> yes. like... Yeah. No. And he's like so hot. So yeah, you're good. And the last is from Lord of the Rings, Aragorn which I don't know who Aragorn is. Yeah, he's also hot. (laughs) Well, it's really good because that's technically my goal in life. No, I'm kidding. Like, that's really sad. It's really funny because you mentioned all those characters and you're like, I did not see this at all. But I'm like, Mother Teresa, I was like, I see that as you. And then Lady Gaga, that was like you in second year. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you. It, it's it's interesting. Like when I started researching more on my, I was just about to say character type, my personality type, I learned that a majority of INFJ see helping others as their life purpose. And mm. they're always there to lend a helping hand, which looking back on my life, that really does resonate with me. I, I loved helping you out with, okay, well, not with you cleaning up my vomit that one year. <laughs> How, however, however, your bed bug situation, whenever you needed help. Oh, and I, you know, I found the time to help you. All of my boy struggles. Yeah, that I, I just. You were my I, free therapist throughout the years. It's true. I, I just loved helping you. I loved help. I love helping people in general, as long as I feel that I am of value to them. And I really, really encourage all of our listeners out there to really do this five minute test for you, my, for me, 20 minute test to take this test and to understand their personality type. I really think it's really important to know who you are, to know how you interact with the world and know your strengths and your weaknesses, because that puts you levels ahead above everyone else. Because mm -hmm. when you know who you are, it just helps you with how you interact with yourself, with the world, how you improve on your relationships. You might even change your career pathway, knowing who you are. So Lee, is there anything else you want to add for the myers -Briggs? Yeah, just a final note. On, on you, I also love that you got Morgan Freeman because you are very well-spoken. And I think he is like one of the most well-spoken humans on this planet. And furthermore, you are, yes, you're an advocate. And it's funny because you and I are the exact same. The only difference is you're introverted and I'm extroverted. And protagonists have like this like hero complex. <laughs> so I like go out of my way to try to help people. And I feel like you do it, but from a more subtle perspective. And like I remember going to see a, a psychic at one point and she told me probably the most useful advice she could have ever told me. She was like, you need to stop going for men that need your help. And she was like, you need, it's very toxic and you need to stop doing that because you will not find your man that way. It's so true. You might even attract abusive people like that because you just want to help them, right? Out of the kindness that of your own heart. You want to be mm -hmm. the hero in their life story. So that's so really I, important to know. Exactly. And so I can give that same advice to you. Don't go, don't go for men that need help. Same, 100%. I also want to say something about you. I've always thought being your friend that I was always more inferior because of the fact that I'm introverted. Whenever we were at parties or social gatherings and events, you would always be the person who would just go out of their way to speak with some random stranger, create this huge conversation. Yes, I don't mind meeting new people, but the way that you go into it, it doesn't demand of you so much. It just comes to you so naturally. And that's what I loved about our, loved, that's what I love about our friendship in general, because you're so extroverted. You always know what to say. Yes, I'm well-spoken. Yes, I am like an orator. I know how to present myself in front of people, but that takes preparation. You are naturally good at it. So I want to say that our friendship really does benefit from these kind of opposite qual qualities of extroversion and introversion. I want mm -hmm. us to okay. segue. Yep. Oh, no. Do you have anything to say, sir? No, I just said that's so nice. Thanks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want us to segue into the five love languages. It's developed by 
as Lee said in the beginning, by Gary Chapman in his book, The Five Love Languages. So before we get into it, I want Lee to tell us what the five love languages are, and then we're going to get into it more specifically. So Lee, could you tell us what the five love languages are? Yeah. So the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. So these are all how we express and receive love. And it can be based, it's based on our past, our present, and our personalities. So this really ties in those 16 personalities of Myers-Briggs we were talking about. Um, like, for example, if you came from a family where love was expressed physically, then there's a good chance that you might have the love language of physical touch. But if your partner, for example, didn't come from such a background, their idea of displaying love could be spent differently, like time spent together. And so even it, like in that event, you could have differing love languages. And we are trying to get down to the bottom of if that is workable, if you can be in a relationship where the love languages are different. It's very important to know that not everyone communicates love in the same fashion or in the same way. People have different ways that they prefer to receive love. And each one of us has one of the five love languages that resonates with us the most. For me, it was 30% quality time. I want to know for you what it was, like the most the, dominant. Do you have the rest of your percentage? I do. I do. Okay. Well, we can get to that later. But also just for everyone to know, this is another quiz that you can take. Literally, you just Google the five love languages. I don't have the website in front of me right now, but I can find it. Um, it's five, the number five lovelanguages.com. Perfect. Yeah. And you take the test. This one is probably even shorter than the 16 personalities one. Oh, it was so, so quick. Yeah. For me, I was 33% physical touch, 30% mm. quality time, 17% acts of service, 13% words of affirmation and 7% receiving gifts. Okay, well, then I'll go into mine more deeper. So yeah, again, 30% quality time, 27% acts of service, 17% receiving gifts. And at a yep, at a tie, it's 13% with physical touch and words of affirmation. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't have. Well, maybe I don't know if I would have guessed that about you. I actually understand that about myself. Because in general, what I know about myself in terms of love, the way that I see myself is that I'm a very selfless lover. I, I don't care about the physical touch that I'm getting from someone. I don't care about the gifts that I get from someone. I don't care if you say I love you so much. I care about the time, the quality time that we spend together, albeit a movie that we watch, the walks that we go on. If you look at our friendship, Lee, it really does resonate with quality time. That's what we spent. Yes. All those conversations that we would have, those yes, meaningful conversations. You're thinking now about friendship. That's different. Because you and I are not going to be so physical with each other because we're friends. True. So, and and here's another thing too. You took the singles test. I took the couples test. Yeah. They, I don't know how different they are, but I'm thinking about it in perspective of me and Dylan. You're thinking about it with you and a, you know, and a future hopeful, you know, like mate. So I wasn't basing it solely on the way our relationship is. I'm also I was also basing it on how I would like it to be, but. I think there there is a great point to be made here. And I, I think, like I said, with 16 personalities is, and as I just previously mentioned, 
I think a lot of this comes from the way you were raised. And for me, like uh, the quiz was saying, you know, if you get physical touch, this doesn't mean that you're just like <laughs> all sex about sex. Yeah, no, it's like hugs, kisses, cuddles. So, and for me, I grew up in a very like touchy feely family. My mom was always giving us hugs and kisses, you know, and, and dad was giving us hugs. And it's just, that was a very, and like cuddles with my mom, like it was very like touchy. And so it being in a relationship now, like I crave that. And I think if I was with someone who didn't want to give that to me, it would be very, very weird for me. But that's not to say that I, I think you can date someone with a different love language. And I of think the most important, yeah, I, I think the most important thing though is communication. It's very true. I think what I learned from these love languages is that they have a high degree of significance and importance for romantic and non-romantic relationships. First that I would mention is that it promotes selflessness when you know how someone, how their preferred method of receiving love is, you begin to change your way of giving love. You start, rather than thinking about your needs, you put your part, partner's needs above your own. So that's in a way that it promotes selflessness. And from that, it creates empathy as well. When couples know how their partners experience love, they learn to empathize uh, with with people who are different than who they are. It allows them to step outside of themselves and peer in to see what makes the other person feel significant and, and loved. And it, it also increases one's emotional intelligence as they learn to put, as I said, with the selflessness, someone else's needs above their own. So it promotes selflessness and it creates and increases empathy which mm -hmm. is extremely important in any sort of relationship. Yeah. I think the love languages, rather than knowing just about yourself, it's really important to know how the other person receives love. Now that I know that your thing is physical touch, now I realize it's not words of affirmation and saying, thank you, I love you, I appreciate you. It's not by me doing things for you, like cleaning your dishes and stuff like that. It's not just me giving you gifts. Your primary way of receiving lovely is by hugs, by kisses, by things. Obviously, this is for an intimate relationship, but I, you know, like I really think it's also important for a non-romantic relationship because now I know that I will have to hug you more. Yeah, honestly, for me, when I haven't seen someone in a long time, like when I used to go back home to Winnipeg and I would see my friends and they would run up to me and give me the biggest hug in the world. I was like, oh, I love this person. Like, yes. And yeah, physical touch is important. And also, it was really close behind with quality time, only down by 3%. So I'm very similar oh, okay. to you as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I I love the time I spend with people. It would always, like, crush me if I would go home to Winnipeg and my friends didn't have time to hang out. I'd be like, but, but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm here, let's chill. But yes, back to the communication thing. I think the, I think the difficulty with love languages is that people know what they want. And it's not that they're being selfish, but there's... I think people don't understand that people express and receive love in different ways. There's an unawareness, I think, that maybe your partner or other people in the world would want love in a different way. I think we see love on in TV and movies, we read about it in books, but and we get some ideas from that, maybe from our friends and our family. But oftentimes we don't take, I shouldn't say we, but you know, air quotes, we, we often don't take the time to look into 
like the real life scenarios of maybe my partner receives or wants love expressed to them in a different way than I do. Like, for example, for me, it's physical touch and quality time. So I would assume that physical touch and quality time, giving that to Dylan would fulfill him because that's what fulfills me. But that might not be the case. I actually still have to get him to do this quiz. But, you know, it is important to have that talk and, and to understand how they receive love. Because if he, if for him, uh, he needs acts of service and receiving gifts, which I don't really think is him, but maybe, then, you know, I would have to switch gears a bit and think, okay, I gotta, gotta up my game on how I'm gonna show to him that I love him. And it's so it's, as you said, it's the give and the take. So hopefully he would be giving me physical touch and quality time, and I would be giving him, you know, acts of service and gifts Hopefully not too many because I, I don't have a big bank account. <laughs> but, you know, it by me giving it to him, him giving it back to me, now we're in a circular motion of love. And I mean, that's what it's all about, right? You know, you raise a really great point. At least you inspired a really great point for me to share with our audience is that it maintains intimacy. Because when people regularly talk about what keeps their love tank or their love reservoir full and fulfilled, it creates more intimacy as people find better and deeper ways to connect with one another. Knowing that, like I have dated people who their primary way of receiving love, now looking back on it, was through physical touch. This one guy in particular, he he just wanted to cuddle me all the time, hug me all the time. And I kind of I didn't understand the five love languages, first of all, because I was just introduced to this just a few days ago. But back then I always thought, oh, wow, this person must be a sex addict of some sort, or they just want me for my body. And I always think about, oh, they just want me for my body. But now looking back on it, now I realize, oh, they just prefer receiving love in this way. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, it's quality time. Right. And so I always thought that me watching a show together with them or going on a long walk together with them or going to a restaurant that 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 would fulfill them because that's the way that I receive love. So Mm. also this raises another great point is that it aids personal growth Mm -hmm. too often in our society. We are encouraged, at least through my perspective, to become self-absorbed right through commercials through anything buy this lipstick because it will make your lips redder this and that and and we become unaware of anyone or anything outside of our our own lives or our own perspectives but when you're focused on something or someone outside of yourself it leads to personal growth Mm -hmm. because you begin to love others in ways that are are outside of your own comfort zone. And it forces you to grow and change. Now, looking back on it, now I can really cater the way that I give love based off of someone else's way of receiving love. So I think this love language really helped me quite a bit. When did you actually... Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. No, it's amazing. I'm glad to hear that you've sort of had that revelation for yourself because now we we don't want to get it confused. There may be some people who only just want to have sex with you, but you could be right, though, that some of those guys may have just been trying to show you love in the way that they like to receive it. So that is a good thing to keep an open mind to. 
Um, what I was also going to say though, is that what you just described is just a relationship in general. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's compromise, true. man. It's figuring out how other people think. And, uh, you know, Dylan and I have had some fights before. And I think another thing that's getting, you know, a little iffy with our society is we're getting so used to the digital age, the consumerism age, where if something's broken, you throw it out, you know? Back in the day, if something was broken, you figured out how to fix it and you fixed it. So a lot of relationships now, you'll see some, oh, we got in a fight and then we broke up. It's like, well, what, why? Why didn't you just talk about it, figure it out, see what's going on, try to understand the other person's perspective. So Dylan and I have definitely gotten in fights. We're not by any means this perfect couple that never fights, but we get to learn something about the other person each time and we make a pact. Okay, you know, I won't do that anymore or I won't do that anymore or whatever, because no one's lived experience is the same as another's we're all unique and that's important forward in life that way because we find people that we have commonalities with and i think that does help a lot in relationships if you're if you are dating someone with common love uh, language as you that's awesome because then you don't have to really give and take much yeah but if you but you know but there are there always are going to be subtle differences like we just saw with our results the percentages right it's not like i was 100% physical touch mm-hmm. it's not saying i only like physical touch i like those other things too i just don't like them apparently as much as i like this you know so it's not saying if you get me a gift i'm going to be like oh take this back to the store how dare you give me a gift it's like you know i just if you are going to come up to me after i had a really hard day at work and cuddle me in bed while I have a good cry. That means so much more to me than if you came up to me and, be, and you were like, babe, I got you this vegan cupcake from the grocery store. I'd be like, okay, cool. But I would, you know, <laughs> I'd still be kind of upset. Like I need that physical love to like get over it. And that shows me that you care. So it's, again, it's a spectrum and everybody is different. And it takes, it takes guts. It takes a sense of maturity to get over yourself and to understand that not everybody thinks and feels the same way as you do. I have a point to make, but I want to ask you first, how did you learn about the five love languages? How did that whole journey begin and start? I want to give kudos to someone. I don't know if it was them, but I honestly think it was one of our past guests. I think it was Priya. Oh. I want to say it was her. I I don't know why. I could be wrong. If it's someone else out there, you can comment under <laughs> this episode on our podcast on Instagram and say, no, it was me. But I think it was her because her and I used to have tons of conversations at, uh, at, at our sandwich shop about love, about, you know, personality types. And so I think that's sort of naturally how it came up. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do take stock in it a lot. I think, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, no. You make sense. It's just really interesting because I, because when you told me about it, I've never heard of it. Like I've heard of Myers-Briggs before you told, like I've heard of the concept of Myers-Briggs, but I never even knew that there was a personality test which you could do online. Right. So you really introduced a lot of these new things to me that I've just always have wondered, like, how did you get in touch with all of this? So it's, yeah. it's cool. And I think these tests are, yeah, sure. Maybe you're categorizing yourself a bit, but by taking all of these tests, every time you learn something new about yourself, every time, every time, which is great because then you're like, as you said, that you're growing as a person. I think there's nothing better than knowing who you are. I think a lot of people live their lives 
blind to who they are, either intentionally or subconsciously. But I think having a, a ability to be introspective and to self-reflect just puts you light years ahead of everyone. Mm-hmm. I have one thing to share about the five love languages is that when, when we begin to speak another person's love language, we, the things that we do for that other person not only are intentional, they become meaningful because mm-hmm. there's a part in that act that you're doing that you're saying, I love you in a way that makes sense to that other person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, 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 really important. There was this one uh, article that I read where I think the spouse said, at the end, and I quote, if something doesn't come naturally, it's a great expression of pure, unadulterated love. And it's true. When you're doing something out of your comfort zone, but you're doing it for that other person, and that's your intention, is not just what you're going to receive, but you have that will now, that will to bestow upon someone else. You like you're creating love, like you're creating a pure expression of love in that moment. Yeah. And not to mention when you are expressing the other person's love language, you're, you might find out something about yourself. You might find out, hey, maybe this actually is kind of cool. Maybe I do like doing this. Second, you feel good. It's weird. You might not think it at first. You'd be like, oh, I don't really like doing things this way. I like doing things my way. But when you mm-hmm. see the joy and the love received by your partner, it's going to make you feel really good. Or at least it makes, it would make me feel really good because I care Same. about what my, what my partner feels, you know, Same <laughs> I would hope 100%. everybody does. A hundred percent. Because you basically strip yourself away from that sense of egoism of about mm-hmm. you, 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 and you begin to put yourself in that other person's shoes, which is extremely important. And that's what I love about our relationship podcast is because it's about relationships. It's not just about yourself. It's about how you can help your relationship with another person, how you can improve your friendship, improve your intimate partnerships, how you can improve your way of, of, of loving that other person at the same time, improving the way that you love yourself, but not in an egotistical way, because when you're improving yourself, you also, the way that I see it, when you're truly improving yourself and, and having that personal growth, you're also giving to the world a, a better version of who you are. So you are bestowing in that sense to the world because you're giving that better version of rather than a version who doesn't understand themselves is egotistical is narcissistic it's just me 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 no i'm growing so that i can give and these tests are a great way to find that out you know there's that cliche of i'm going to travel the world and i'm going to find myself or i mean i guess i could say in a man voice too i'm going to travel the world and find myself it's like no <laughs> you don't <laughs> you- <laughs> You don't need money and an airplane to find yourself, to learn about yourself. You can figure it out on the computer from the <laughs> comfort so true. from the comfort of your bedroom and get your friends to do the tests, get your, your partner to do the tests, get your family to do the tests. It'll, it'll teach you a lot about who you are, where you come from, the influences in your life, the people that you tend to surround yourself with is interesting too. And who you work with, you know, well as a partner. Like most of my friends, except for you and one of the other guys that we mentioned in this podcast, are, are introverts. 
but majority of the people I surround myself with are extroverts. So that's really interesting for me to, to think about. Ironically, however, my partner is an introvert. So you see that opposition and where I do crave that. And I think I need that. But then when I surround myself with like-minded people, they're often extroverts. So it's kind of cool to get the people that you know to do these tests as well. And you guys can talk about it and see how do you experience the world? And it's, it's like you said, like with this podcast, we, we get to experience how other people think. And that's so cool because we learn something every single episode, even about each other. And we know each other really well. It's so true. I want to encourage all our followers and listeners out there to take these tests. Go to 16personalities.com and go to the number five, lovelanguages.com. Take that personality test. Take that love test. Understand who you are. Understand. Also get, yeah, as Lee said, get your friends and, and, and your intimate partners to take these tests. Just understand the people around you so that you can interact with them better, so that you can just have better, more efficient, more effective communication and relationships. And that's the game for this episode is for you guys out there and girls to take those tests, just take them, just, just understand yourself. It's fun. It takes, for me, it took 20 minutes because I think so much, but (laughs) I bet for a lot of you, it's going to take five to 10 minutes and it's a breeze. And, and you just email yourself your results, you keep them forever and you'll know yourself better. Yeah. And the great thing is, again, like I said, you can take it five years from now. You can take it a year from now, really. I think it says for 16 personalities, you should wait a minimum of six months to retake. But yeah, take it years later and just see. For me, my personality never changed. Maybe yours does. I don't know. So I think that's really cool. And yeah, we've already done the games for ourselves. We, we took the tests again uh, last night just to double check to make sure what we were. And yeah, that's our challenge to you guys this week as well. Take those tests. And I want to encourage all our followers and listeners out there to share our podcast channel with your friends, with your family members. Also, pl- please continue to to provide us with your comments, your compliments, anything as you already have. Give us more uh, topics that we can talk about so that we can cater to your needs and your interests and what you guys want to hear. So from me, it's a sincere appreciative thank you. And I guess that's a wrap. Bye. Bye.